This podcast is sponsored by Canoe Club. Canoe Club has been one of my favorite retailers for such a long time, so it's a real honor to have them, you know, sponsoring the pod. If you're unfamiliar with Canoe Club, it's a retailer based out of Boulder, Colorado, that carries brands such as you know, Engineer Garments, Visvim, Capital, Nanamika, Levi's, Orslo, you know, Friends of the Pod, Marnie, Solomon, and Popeye Magazine, and so much more. They have such an incredible assortment, you know, ranging from under the radar emerging brands to beloved heritage brands. I had the founder of Canoe Club, Timothy Grindle, on the podcast, which I'll have linked in the description if you're interested in learning more about the retailer. I'll also be showcasing some of my favorite pieces on the Fashion Collective Instagram, as well as in the weekly newsletter. very kind to offer a 15% discount code for all the Fashion Collective podcast listeners. Use code FashionCollective15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, it is FashionCollective15 to get 15% off your next order. The link to the site will be linked in the description for you guys to head over and check out the assortment. Hello, I'm Alexander Walker of the Fashion Collective Podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, then thank you for taking the time to check us out. The Fashion Collective Podcast is a place for creatives to learn, share, collaborate, and support each other. Each week, you'll get in-depth interviews with creators talking about their creative process, inspirations, giving advice, and sharing their opinions on the major topics within the industry. Our mission is to create a space for creatives. If you have the time, I would greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, how's it going, Shannon? Good. How are you? Good. Excited to have you on. Uh, really love what you're doing over there at Yowie. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm very happy to have you on to share more about your journey from, you know, working at Polo all the way to, you know, what you're doing now. You know, before we jump into everything, can you share just a little bit about yourself, you know, what you do? My name is Shannon Maldonado. I'm the founder and creative director of Yowie, and we are a home and lifestyle shop and design studio based in Philadelphia. Um, I'm from Philadelphia originally, lived in New York for a long time, but moved back to start my brand about five years ago. I have a degree in fashion design uh, with a minor in children's wear. And now, you know, if someone asked me what I do, I'd consider myself just a creative would be my title. I'm not into the slashy thing. (laughs) I would just say I'm creative um, in that I design things, I curate things, I art direct people, collaborate with artists. We work with different clients and partners. um, And I just like making stuff. I like designing stuff. I love design. Um, So I just, I'm a creative at the end of the day. You know, moving into, you know, style ethos, you know, segment one. You know, how would you describe your personal style to the audience? My personal style is, I would say, it's almost like a vintage uniform. I feel like when I was younger, I'm, I'm 37 now. And when I was younger, I went through many different stages of my style um, and tried out a lot of things and made a ton of clothing. And now I'm most comfortable in like the perfect sweatshirt. 
and the perfect vintage Levi's. Like that's just nice. kind of my go-to. Um, so I wear a lot of vintage clothing. I feel like I have contemporary clothing, but I would say 75 to 80% of the time I'm in vintage. Uh-huh. Um, Where are you picking yeah. it up from? Are you picking it up like local thrift stores or online or how are you getting? Mostly local thrift store. My boyfriend, I'm very lucky. My boyfriend is very good at thrifting. So oh, nice. kind of like my secret weapon. Anytime <laughs> he goes thrifting, he brings me home a bunch of stuff and just stuff that some of my favorite pieces I've had for a really long time. Nice. Um, I just kind of have always been a collector in that way. So it could be stuff I bought on eBay or Etsy or found locally, but um, it's definitely a mix. And then I guess my new item that I wear constantly is I, I am always buying sneakers. So um, I usually have like a vintage sweatshirt, a pair of jeans and like a crazy pair of sneakers as my kind of go-to outfit. What's been your favorite uh, sneaker that you picked up lately? My my two favorites I got recently, I'm like looking over at the pile in our living room, um, the Aries New Balance. Oh, nice. Yeah. In neon yellow. My boyfriend got me those and I wanted them for a really long time. And then I really love, I got the Space Hippies at the beginning of the pandemic and I really love those. They're so comfy and they're just like, they're so weird in the best way. And I love um, Fly Knit. I think it's like such an ingenious material. Oh yeah, definitely. So I think those are my two favorites, but I I love shoes and I love, I like buying shoes that are kind of like, those are probably two of my flashiest pairs. I like kind of buying almost like the Bobo shoes that no one's looking at are like my favorites, like very (laughs) in the the Nike pages and the Adidas pages. Nice. I mean, really great pickups, especially with the Space Hippies, mm-hmm. uh, really great ones. And New Balance has been killing it. Mm-hmm. You know, moving into segment two, you know, what have you been obsessed with lately? You know, it's going to be music, movies, TV shows, books, articles. I know you're a fan of, you know, living hip hop. I didn't know if you were watching <laughs> a lot of, you know, reality TV in your downtime. I do. I do watch a lot of reality TV. It's funny. My you know, I, my um, consumption for reality TV is very dynamic, I would say. <laughs> like, I love Love and Hip Hop. I love Black China show, these like really funny, aggressive, ridiculous, you know, shows sometimes staged all the Bravo housewives. But then I also love like the Great Pottery Throwdown, which is like a very relaxing show, the Great British Bake Off. Um, some of these shows that are more uh, serene yeah <laughs> you're offering so I, I can go either way I love documentaries I just like I, I'm very fascinated by people and what they do and um, what motivates them for better or for worse you know positive or negative yeah so that's why I love reality tv it's just you know you're watching different people whether they're real or not it reacts <laughs> in some way um, so I, I'm always watching reality tv I'm sure I'll watch them once we get off this podcast but I'm trying to think other things I've been obsessed with lately. I recently found myself. So when I was younger, I was really into eBay, like very early. Oh yeah. And I've just been, I've always bought the most random things on eBay. And then I get into these holes of like becoming obsessed with <laughs> eBay. So I'm actually going to grab it one to show you. I'm obsessed yeah. with vintage Scandinavian glass trolls. Okay. Really- <laughs> very interesting. I love glass as a material. It's like, there's just so much you can do with it. But I found these one night. This is so weird. When oh, I wow. <laughs> Very detailed. Yeah, they're, they're so weird. It's like a paperweight, so it's flat. But I found these one night when I was online. This one is my new favorite. It has a bowl haircut. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> wow. um, and I showed my boyfriend. And he's like, these are so funny. And I was like, I just, there's something about them that I can tell they're hand blown, which I love. Like, there's a lot of little detail in them. Yeah to you know everything we do at yaoi but they're also just so funny like 
they're kind of ugly and kind of cute, which is some of my favorite things. Um, so I've been obsessed with these glass trolls. I started collecting those during the pandemic. <laughs> and then um, other things, I've been trying to read more of the magazines we bring in. Like we bring in magazines and zines and books and I feel like they come in the door and they go out before I can even really consume them. I just like, you know, we'll find a, a publication that I like, but um, there's a magazine called Deem Journal that we're about to bring in that oh, nice. sent me a copy and I'm like, okay, I'm going to actually read this one and give myself the time to absorb it. But it's an amazing team and it's all about black artists and creatives and graphic designers. So I'm really excited to dig into that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. My very close obsessions, reality TV trolls and Deem Journal. <laughs> wow. That's, it's a lot of different spaces. And yeah. I know you've also uh, always been obsessed with, you know, Asana, like keeping lists. Yeah. I've yeah. also I've been really into Asana and also into Notion. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, totally. I tried Notion for a second and I don't know why it didn't stick with me. Asana is the one that has stuck with me. I tried Trello. I tried Monday through a client like for a second, but I don't know. There's something about the Asana interface that I like. Um, yeah. Very much a list person. I used to carry around like multiple notebooks, like a Yowie notebook and then a client notebook. And I was like, this is not working. So now using that to build out the different projects and like, I can be talking to someone like, say you're my client and they're like, oh, did you do blah, blah, blah. I can just quickly type it in and it's on the list and I won't forget it with a due date. So I think it's just as we grow as a brand, my, what I'm doing every day is so different. I have to be on top of multiple things. So it really just helps organize my brain. And then there's something satisfying about Sometimes when you check off something, oh, like yeah. horn flies by or like, like I'm done. Yeah, it's <laughs> completed dopamine and the silly little things that they've added at the end, the interaction piece. Yeah, I really love it. It's a really great interface and it's really been helpful with, you know, other projects that I've been a part of, mm -hmm. you know, moving into, you know, segment three rapid fire, mm -hmm. you know, I really just want to get your opinion on, you know, how it's been, you know, navigating the last year or so uh, with everything with COVID and having the store and having the e-commerce. You know, how's that been for you? It's been a really good period of growth for me, both professionally and personally. I think for a long time, I I almost didn't want to take Yowie too seriously because it scared me in a way to take it too seriously. It was like, if I treat it like an art project, then it'll never feel like work and I'll never have to like overthink it. Um, I'll never have to worry about, you know, financial things because that was so much a part of my past life. And I really did create the brand to rebel against like, we weren't going to be doing comps and like things based on bestsellers and we were going to really operate from a place of emotion and um, just things we love, you know, things that um, we bring, we want to bring in. So I think for a while I was like, obviously I worked really hard on it, but I was almost like not giving it the full breadth of what it could be because I was scared to do that. And the pandemic forced me to do that because I had to take a look at our business, both fr just front to back financially and our offering and be like, okay, can we do this for a year without a storefront? If we do, how will we do it? How do we keep up the, in what is it? The engagement that we have in store. Like our store is really small, but people love hanging out inside of it. They love talking to me and my staff. And there's something special about the physical space we created um, so how do we keep that going when we can't have a physical space? So when we closed last year, we immediately kicked into, I mean, I'm also very much, um, I'm sure if you follow us online, you can tell, like, I'm very open about how I feel or what's going on or what kind of challenges mm -hmm. we're having. I try to add some both levity and 
reality to small business life because I think there's a lot of noise out there. And I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. And I, and I truly, truly meant that. And I started, I think the day after we closed, I did like a open office hours, like a virtual office hours. And I was like, sign up for a slot. Let's just like talk and yeah. how we feel. <laughs> it out. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. Let's talk about it. And I think that that was a great first step into just showing that continuing to show that we're a human brand. Whereas you know, I know startups and all these things are really popular right now, but there's still like, there's a corporate feel to many of them, even if, you know, their language and their marketing is very human, it still feels very corporate. And I always want us to feel like, what's the new version of a mom and pop shop, you know? So I think in being vulnerable in that way, our engagement started to rise up and then we started to just kind of let go of perfection. So I was taking photos like in our kitchen on my iPhone of all the products that we had left. And I was contacting all the artists and being like, I know you, I know that it's strange, but like, if you have time, please make us more stuff. Like we're not giving up. Don't you give up kind of thing. And through that, you know, the first few months were kind of fun in a way because it was so unknown. It was like scary and fun at the same time. Like my boyfriend and I were hand delivering packages in Philly oh, wow. we were running around trying to make it work. I was handwriting a note to everybody. If I knew them, I'm like, what are you up to? Like DM me, like, let's talk, you know, just keeping that conversation going. And then I would say maybe five or six months in, maybe around June, May, June, we were like, okay, we're, we're stabilizing. Like everything's going to be okay. We can keep doing this. We just have to keep going. And when all the protests broke out, Philly was like a hotbed of activity for all of that. And a lot of my colleagues and other shop owners, we were all talking about what do we do? Do we board up our windows? Everyone was really scared of, you know, having property damage. And I was, I just didn't, that didn't feel right to me. So mm -hmm. I ended up posting a message of support and kind of like a personal essay about racism in our window, which for me was like both hard and cathartic. And I didn't do it for any other reason than that. I just wanted those people to see that we were with them. Right. And that small act, like, I ended up doing, um, writing a first person article a few days later for a house magazine. We got all this press about it and we were on a podcast about it. And then our business just like exploded. And it uh. again was just like, I'm always reminded. I, I sometimes struggle with being too vulnerable, but it was a moment of, you know, I just was being really honest and it really resonated with so many people. And I was so grateful that I had that opportunity to use our platform in that way. And ever since then, it shows no signs of slowing down. I think if I were to give other people advice, it would be to like, just try things during this time. You know, it's like, we definitely threw a lot of, you know, shit at the walls. Sorry, part of my, just to see what stuck and just yeah. try things and to not be rigid in any way. And it worked. And then the things that like, I don't think anything quote unquote didn't work, but some things were better than others. And we still learned from every single thing we tried, every product, every initiative. We did virtual workshops. We, we did all kinds of things to stay connected. And our business has grown during the pandemic. So I just, I, I know now that we are on um, better footing and like a, mo a much stronger foundation. So I'm really proud of that. But there were lots of hard nights <laughs> and crying and stress, but we got through it. And now I'm like, okay, 2021, let's go. Like we can do anything now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's really great to hear that, you know, you're able to actually, you know, be able to thrive within the last year or so. 
just by being yourself and, you know, being, as you said, like a human brand, you know, I think this is a really great way of just moving into the main topic, you know, everything that's happening with you and your journey. Uh, I want to start from the very beginning, you know, mm-hmm. what initially kind of got you in the fashion? Like, what was your entryway into it? I think my entryway, if I go all the way back, is my mom, for sure. My mom is a really talented seamstress, but she's not someone who saw that as something she could do as a career. So she always worked in sales or, you know, different things throughout my life. But when I saw how good she was at sewing, it was something I wanted to do as well and something that we bonded over and it was kind of our thing. Um, So I have two siblings and um, my parents were getting divorced when I was in middle school. And it was like something my mom and I could do to kind of pass the time and really be close to one another. Mm-hmm. And I just love that any creative or, you know, artist, it's just, it's just so exciting when you make something yourself, you know, like sewing a garment yourself from scratch from an idea or a sketch that you had. It's so exciting. So I loved making clothes, um, living in Philly, I always dreamed of living in New York and I loved fashion magazines and I'm a little, I'm sure I'm old. I'm much older than you, but there was a website called First View at the time that was like the original Vogue runway. So it was like little pictures of all the runway shows that would come up a few weeks later. And it was so exciting, you know, and you'd feel like you were transporting to, you know, wherever these shows were, Paris or London or New York. And yeah. I just fell in love with that world and the idea that clothing could just make people feel something, you know, feel empowered or feel different or feel like they're expressing themselves. So I've always loved clothing um, and I always, like I said, wanted to live in New York. So I went to FIT for school and stayed there for a while working for different clothing brands. And yeah. then eventually it was like, okay, I want to do something for myself that's not clothing. So that's kind of how I, that's the very quick, uh, quick notes version of my <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I kind of wanted to go back, I mean, as you said, like you attended FIT, you know, studied fashion design. Uh, then after school, you, you know, went on to, you know, work for, you know, Tommy Hilfiger, you know, worked for Polo as assistant designer. I actually wanted to get your, you know, you know, learn more about that opportunity because, you know, Polo growing up was always a brand that I really enjoyed. Um, and I had the opportunity of, you know, actually going to like the New York, like office, like where you get to see like all of the archive, like Polo pieces hanging from the walls. And then you have like the showroom-esque with all like the new designs. I just wanted to see, like, what were you able to learn, you know, in these, you know, first couple of roles outside of school? Um, I think I learned a few things. I think I learned some professional things and some personal things. I think on the professional side, I learned structure. I learned kind of how these really large heritage brands operate. You know, it's not, um, they're just so much based on the history of the brand, kind of what they good, they're good at what they want to new things they want to get into, but there really is like a core there that's kind of hard to shake. And I think for me, especially when I was younger, um, I had just such a rebellious spirit about the design that I wanted to do that it was hard for me to kind of get into that mold long term. Okay. I liked that I was there. I was grateful for the opportunity, but I always, I mean, to this day, even with Yowie, I'm always wanting to shake shit up. So it was sometimes hard for me to be like, okay, you know, we'll do this the way it's been done with a twist. And and that kind of, you know, wasn't long-term good for me. And then I think personally, like I said, it's kind of along the same lines where um, I think you should always, I'm trying to think of how to say this. I think it's like things always appear so differently from the outside until you're inside of them. Yeah. So I think 
what I thought some of these opportunities were, would be, the reality was much different and some for better and some for worse. But I just think that I just had a call two days ago with one of my old interns about a job. And he was like thinking about the cool factor of this other brand compared to this other brand. And I was like, it's not always about that. And you might be surprised the like uncool brand might be a much better place to work than the cool brand, if that makes sense. I know that was a roundabout. Oh, yeah. So I think it was like a perception versus reality uh, learning for me as a young person. And then from that point on, I was more thinking about, okay, do I like the team I work with? Do I like the product I'm working on more so than am I really proud just to say that I work at this place at a, at a party or like to my friends? Exactly. Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So after that, I mean, you did a little bit of freelance working while you were actually launching Yowie. You know, how was that experience of, you know, navigating doing both at the same time and, mm-hmm. you know, just really trying to get the get this business off the ground? It was really hard. It was, I felt like I was living a double life. It was so strange because, so Philly is a really small city. And I think unless you live here, it, it sounds like we're exaggerating how small it is, but it really is small. And then Urban Outfitters, where I was working, is a very small, tight-knit campus. So it was like I'd see people at work and be in meetings with them. And then on the weekend, they'd come to my shop and be like, wait, what are you doing here? And I'm like, this is my <laughs> store. They're like, why are you working with us? And I'm like, I still need money. We're just starting out, you know? So yeah. it, was like, it was very confusing to people what I was doing. I was almost confused myself, but I had to keep going, you know, to save money for the business. So it was hard. It was like I was working around the clock at that time, you know, working a full-time, almost full-time freelance job and then going home and shipping everyone's packages and doing doing marketing and photo shoots. Like it was really, really difficult. But I would say, I tell people all the time, I only quit freelancing there when I physically could not do it anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I think there's this assumption that you start your own brand and you just like jump out the window and you'd never look back. And I think it's good to kind of keep saving money as long as you can and keep that going until you're really, really, really ready. And I think I probably could have pushed it a little further, but I just got to point was like, wait, I'm working like so much every week. And I don't know if I'm giving enough time to Yowie um, to get it to where I want it to be. Um, right. so it, it was, it was a very strange 18 months of being like Clark Clinton's Clark Clinton Superman <laughs> <laughs> or something. It's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> but you were able to launch it. You were able to, you know, get it off. And you know, how has it been, you know, building a storm because you put such a, you know, strong emphasis on, you know, collections from independent artists and designers. You know, how was it, you know, connecting with them and, you know, building that assortment for the store? Mm-hmm. That part's the best part of my job is all the people I work with. I think it's almost like you get to create this chosen family. You know, when I work, when I worked in corporate. I couldn't choose the people that were on my team always. I couldn't yeah. choose who my managers were or who, you know, our VP was or the person that I have to present my product to. And here it's like, I can find someone and genuinely come to them and say, I love what you're doing. Let's work together. And we can really create something special. And so many people we worked with over the years have become my friends, like good friends that I it's, it's funny. Like, we'll be, I'm like, Hey, can you make me this thing? And then I'm like, and what are you doing on Thursday? You know, we just yeah, hang out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I love the people aspect of my job. I love mentoring. Like one of my good friends that makes work for us when we first met, 
he was working on a project um, for a big brand and he told me what the wholesale price was. And I was like, you're way undercharging them. Like never do that again. And he's <laughs> like, whoa, no one ever told me that. And I'm like, I believe in you. Like, I know you can charge more for this. And ever yeah. since we've had this really great relationship where he'll kind of show me stuff. And I'm like, I think you can go up a little more. You can go down a little more. And we really talk through price point. And like, it, it's just so great to see people grow throughout their practice and to see people also that outgrow us in many ways, like people that we worked with in the beginning. And now I'm like, wow, they're doing their own like art shows in New York. Wow. They have these huge followings now. Like it's really, really, really cool. So I love working with artists, even though at times it can be very challenging. They're not the most uh, calendar driven communications people, but <laughs> they are the most talented and they make me so happy all the work that they create for the shop. Yeah. Any that you want to like shout out now? Like I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, trying to think of who's in the shop right now. Um, Dominic Frenzy is my friend who I kind of just mentioned. And we met, I just put it in one of our newsletters, actually. We met when I Googled Philadelphia-based ceramicist and his name came up. That's how really <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then now we're friends four years later and he makes stuff for us. As, as, as soon as he has an opening, I'm like, make us as much as you can. Yeah. Um, so Dom's amazing. Um, we just started carrying these really fun flashcards by this. His Instagram handle is Hood Mid Century Modern. And he's like a Black artist that is really getting into architecture and design. Um, so his work is really interesting. There's a, a local woman, One Eye Ceramics, that I love working with. She makes this really classic, like wavy tumbler that we sell all the time. Gold is one of my favorite brands to work with. They're like a Black wellness brand. Um, they make really delicious supplements and like things you can add to your drinks and to smoothies. Um, Redu is a new brand that we started working with that I love. They do um, like apothecary that's really good. And then we have tons of great books, like books from people that are, you know, still alive and people that I've been obsessed with when I was younger. But yeah, mm -hmm. so many people yeah. constantly changing. So we at any given time have like 25 to 50 artists in the shop. Which is great. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like everyone's been like rethinking their home spaces over the course of the last year or so as they've turned into home slash gym slash office slash restaurant slash school. <laughs> you know, what have you been seeing that people have been gravitating towards in the last year or so? Like, what have you seen of have been some of your best sellers? Yeah, I think um, ceramics for us have always been good since the very beginning. And I think they've just kind of exploded in that like if you're sitting at your, you know, your new desk, you want a new coffee mug or you want a new cup that you can constantly be refilling throughout the day. Art prints are a new category for us that we're going to dive deeper into this year. Portable things, you know, under under a hundred bucks if we can do it, which is great. So people can refresh their walls. Textiles like bath mats have been really good for us. And then honestly, like we started selling sweats um, late last year and like just everyday wear that you can you know wear in your zoom meeting like this has been really popular for us but any for us it's always like those objects books I think have been really good because I think people it's like a I'm trying to I'm trying to think of how to put it it's almost like an easy way to add culture to your space you're like look at this artist I'm into and like yeah. look of all their work <laughs> so, so I think books are really good for us and we try to sell independent zines and magazines but all all the things like a lot of uh, pantry items have been big lately because everyone's a home chef now. But yeah, I think we're very lucky in that a lot of what we sell speaks to what people are longing for right now to refresh their space or refresh what they're what they're up to. 
hundred percent. And I know you have a wonderful space. Have you been adding anything that you're excited about to your own personal space? If I'm being honest, no. I, as an entrepreneur, and I talk to other people, <laughs> I never, I rarely buy myself anything. Really, That's a huge thing. I have a Pinterest board called Shop, and I put things on there, and they have to be on there for two to three weeks before I buy them. I'm not really an impulse shopper anymore. Oh, nice. So like we sit on there, and then I'm like, okay, yes, I want this, and then I buy it. But I bought, we bought a chair recently that we need to reupholster. It's a, a vintage Herman Miller chair. Ooh. But it doesn't fit in our current apartment. So now we're like, maybe we need to move. <laughs> what are we what are we talking about? Like uh what type of chair? It's uh my god, I think it's a Hannah Morris lounger. I want to say that's mm. the name. Um it's it's great, it's just really big. We I just okay. the irony is I just used it in a project and then I fell in love with it and I was like, okay, now I want one. So then I found another one. Where did you out. find it? I feel like you know, they pop yeah. up randomly, like on eBay or something. Like, where are you finding yours? Would you find yeah. yours? Um, Lycan, actually, in New York. Oh, it's really? Great store. They're a great store. So they, I like messaged them. They found the other ones for me. And then I was like, if you ever find another one, put it aside for me. So then they found the third one and I, I bought wow. it. Yeah. See, that amazing store. If you're not following them on Instagram, definitely follow them on Instagram. Really great store. You know, going into, you were talking earlier about how close knit and small the Philly community is. I feel like I've talked to so many incredible creators from Philly lately, you know, from Francis Young at Peritoto and, you know, Said Ferguson from All Cap Studio. You know, what do you think about the, you know, the scene right now with the, all these amazing creators coming out of Philly? I think it's inspiring. I think when I was a kid, it was not like a thing there. I mean, I'm from South Philly and I felt like such an odd duck that I wanted to get into fashion and move to New York. And I remember telling people I wanted to move here, they're like, oh, that's okay. Like, it, you know, it felt very different. And now everyone I meet, you know, says they're a creative or an entrepreneur or photographer or designer, you know, whatever it is. So I, I'm excited to see that creativity is so much at the forefront of, you know, what's happening in Philly right now, whether it's in design or food. Um, I think the city is really coming alive lately with people that are kind of doing different things and doing different things on their terms. And you know, just the way they want to create it. It's very exciting. Yeah, definitely. I've been super into a lot of, you know, the creatives that are coming out of there and, and excited to see what, you know, what it comes from. And I think it's a really, uh, really exciting to see what's happening. You know, the next question I really wanted to get into was, um, I read the article that you were part of from Complex, you know, talking about the, you know, the lack of Black ownership within streetwear. Um, I thought it also touches on something you were talking about earlier of, you know, looking at opportunity, it might look like a really great opportunity at first, but when you really look into it, it may not completely align with what you're looking to do with your brand or whatever you may be working on. I wanted to see if you could, you know, speak further about that because I feel like that's something as a, an emerging, you know, designer or business owner, you, it can be difficult to figure out what's the right move. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your litmus test when you're looking at like a, a, a new opportunity? I think for me, it's kind of, I think it's similar to our project, our products and how we select them. And it's like, I need to feel something like I need to feel excited or I need to feel inspired or a a lot of, I'm a very nostalgic person. Like maybe I feel nostalgia. Like if it's a brand that's like kind of an older, more heritage brand, I'm like, oh, I love that brand. Like that would be so cool to work with them, but I have to feel something. So if I get sent an opportunity or a deck and I read, I'm like, okay, I'm like, First, that's the first litmus test. If I'm, I have no reaction, kind of like maybe it's not for us. 
Um, I think I really do try to look and see if there's brand alignment around like our customer or if not currently a customer that we might want to have. So I was sent something recently. It was like a very streetwear heavy uh, platform. And I think on the surface, someone would be like, oh yeah, that's totally you, but it's not us to be honest. We're not a streetwear brand and we're not trying to be a streetwear brand. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't think that's the right fit, for example. But I think, I think for me, I think 